three years ago we were at five percent yeah. and that was still great yes. right like in the grand scheme that was still amazing yeah i think like a historic average interest rate is like plus or minus seven percent yeah yeah you know it's nuts. so like i feel anything five or less is an insanely good deal you're listening to the expertish podcast be sure to head over to itunes or spotify and tell jay what you thought about this episode Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, welcome to this episode of Expertish Podcast. Today I've got my friend Sean Bascom with me. How's it going, Sean? Hello, sir. How are you? I'm, I'm good. doing all right, man. Doing all right. Good, good. Just uh, hey, to start with, just uh, obviously another, not obviously, but another Navy buddy that yeah. uh, you know haven't got to. Uh, connect with that much in quite a while, uh, before the last few weeks, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely been a minute. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff's, uh, a lot of stuff's changed. Both of our lives are a lot different. Dude, where's the time go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it goes quickly for sure. No doubt. For sure. No uh, doubt. Just like casually to start with, just give us a little bit of your, uh, you know, your background. Yeah. So Navy, obviously mm-hmm. that's our connection. And yep. then we're both in real estate. I don't know. I guess I'll start from there, so I joined the Navy pretty much out of high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did that college thing where I like flopped around. You yeah. know what I mean? Took random classes, like whatever. And uh, I'd always had an interest in the military and flying mostly. Right. right. So I went to the recruiter. I was like, yeah, I want to fly. And he was actually a decent recruiter. He's like, okay, well, you don't have like a college degree. You don't hear and that a lot. And you're, <laughs> and you're obviously failing your classes. So uh, <laughs> you can just rescue swimmer thing. And he happened to be a rescue swimmer, which is cool. So um, I enlisted as uh-huh. a swimmer, you know, went through the pipeline, as you know. Uh, what was that? That was 2000. I was 19. And then what? Deployed OIF, OEF, you know, 9-11 happened. I was at rescue swimmer school when 9-11, 9/11 happened. Yeah. So that changed all our trajectories, right? If we were active duty. Uh, what, HC-11, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we met. I think that probably met you around, what, 93-ish, 92, 93 by that time? Uh, 2002. Yeah. Yeah, oh, two- yeah 2000. Jesus, man. Yeah. Come on, man, you're dating me. Dude, uh, <laughs> man, it's too many numbers. Like, I'm like starting to transpose numbers in my sleep. It's no, just too much. <laughs> Real steel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I got to, you were at 11, I think, when I got there, which would have been like 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I got there like late 2000, I think. Yeah, because you were in debt too. Mm-hmm. Like we did workups together. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. That's and right. then I ended up deploying with the, what was it, debt five. Yeah. So anyways, uh, without going too deep into that, did the rescue swimmer bit. I was going to get out in 2005 because I like caught the real estate bug. Right. And like, two, you know, 2003, four, like everyone's making money in real estate. Like yeah. prices are going up. You, I mean, I knew guys in the Navy, you mm-hmm. probably did too. They were like buying houses and then selling it for like 80 grand a yeah. year later. So I um, got interested in that. I read, um, you had this questions you sent me, one of your questions was like, what got you interested? Right, yeah. Was um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I read that and then that like totally hooked me. Yeah. So my next couple of deployments, uh, I brought a ton of books, like real estate related books. I was going to get out in 2005 and go to San Diego State, use the GI Bill and major in real estate. And I don't know if you remember... uh, Senior Chief Adams. Yeah. It's ultimately Master yeah. Chief Adams. You know, well, you know, like Navy retention, like yeah. how do I keep you in? Yeah. I was like, I want to go to Star Refresher, which I think you may have been over there at the yeah. time. You guys were full. He's like, they're full. You can go to Surface Rescue Summer School. So, uh, and it was like almost all of HC11 over there. Yeah. Which was pretty awesome. Not so a bad was, time, was it? Huh? Wasn't no, a bad it was, time. Was it? it was yeah. like, I'm glad it was a good decision because yeah. um, 
uh, Jerry, right? The LPO guy. Guy Yeah. Yeah. Guy, I was like, look, I want to go to school. He's like, if you're not teaching or whatever, like you can do your homework. And that's exactly what happened. So I started going to night school with like, my goal was to get uh, a degree in real estate. Uh, Ended up working out, got out in 2008, transferred to CNU State as a junior, uh, graduated in 2010 uh, in real estate. And then I started, I got licensed my senior year because now, you know, I'm 28. Uh, well, now I'm 40. Right. Then, <laughs> now, now. then I'm 28. Uh, and like, you know, just got married. Uh, you know, kids are coming. Like we just bought our first house. My wife's like starting her career. So I'm like, okay, getting the GI Bill money. And that whatever. hurt either. And no, it was great That's while I was awesome. going to school. Uh, it was fantastic. And um, like applying for scholarships and stuff. But I was like, okay, as soon as I graduate, like, there's no more income. So my senior year, I really started trying to figure out like the direction I was going to go in real estate, right. uh, going through that program and being active on campus was helpful. I was active with the, uh, student org, the real estate society, which is still active and we still support them and like try to help the students out and stuff. Anyways, uh, long story long, I was interested in commercial real estate. Um, you know, looked at, you know, retail, there's like retail industrial office. Um, a lot of people don't realize like how partitioned a lot I did, of real estate. I didn't. I honestly didn't. Most people don't, right? Yeah. And even in the commercial world, like even like commercial, if you're an office guy, you could even be like a medical office guy. Right. So like it can really break down even more specifically mm-hmm. to the segment. But I got an interest in multifamily, mm-hmm. right? So two units up to like 50 units and beyond. Right. Um, but more the, what we call like the mom and pop. Mm-hmm side of the transaction right so mm-hmm. like the clients that um we're both working with now right, right say right. like less than five million average plus or minus a million bucks right into well in today's market uh <laughs> if, you get, if you can get that <laughs> yeah that's a single family home now right yeah you know. oh man i get talk for about that so started brokering like okay and basically you cold called yeah so i would go to class um i was at a different company than Matt now but and then I would just like cold call like 100, yeah. 150 dials a day, just like getting after it. Cause I knew like, that's how you eventually yeah. got deals. Yeah. And uh, I think I closed, I closed my first, it was an eight unit in national city in uh, like two months before I graduated. Right. And that was like the, like, okay, I can do this. Uh, like I have some money in the bank. Um, and I've been doing it since then. So that was like 2009, nine, 10 ish. Yeah, so like the last 11 years. Yeah. Been doing the predominantly multifamily. Um, I do some leasing on the commercial side as well and quite a few like land sales. It's like working with developers and stuff, but like my bread and butter is multifamily, although I do kind of partially because I get bored and then partially just because like my clients don't necessarily own just multifamily. Yeah. yeah. So if they have like a small industrial building, I'll help them lease that or do that kind of thing too. Well, you kind of hit something um, crucial because one of the things that I was going to ask you about, like, you know, a lot of people will talk about, uh, in, you know, commercial is something newer to me. Like I, I knew, sure. you know, the smallest bit, sure. smallest bit. And um, a lot of times people like start looking because people will hit you up, you know, when they're getting close to that same decision, you know, getting ready to transition out of the military and like, hey, you know, what's it take to get started? X, Y, Z, you know, licensing is all they see online, but you kind of right. nailed it too. Like when you start recognizing, hey, this business is a commission based. And if I don't go find business, right. you don't get paid. And a you lot of people don't, yeah, yeah, you people don't realize you have to work a lot to get it yeah. started. Like, you know, you get some you stuff build on your that belt. Pipe. Exactly. Like, like, you, you know, 
you could build the pipe and then you start filling it, but like it's six months. Yeah. Really. And like if you're hustling that whole time, yeah. To like things start coming out the other side. Exactly. For sure. And there's people that I know people who have had license for four years and still haven't done a deal. Right. And of course they end up taking another job and having to do something else thinking they're going to get it going. But it's usually because they will never actually sit down and put in the work that they have to, to get going. hundred percent. You know, it's like yeah. the first one, two, three, those aren't easy at all. No. You know, so it's, it's like kind of the fake it till you make it to an yeah. extent. Right. Yeah. And you have to have a good coach. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I had, I had good coaches early on. But like, you still had to do the work though. 90% of it's the hustle. Yeah. Like you got to yeah. pick up the phone and make that call. And you know what I mean? For every 99 no's, like you might get a yes. Yeah. And, and you get enough of those yeses that they turn into deals. And some of it, so much of it is very simple, isn't it? Like it really is a numbers game. A lot of it is. And certain things are simple. Like you, I could sit and tell someone to do these three things every day until they got their first deal and then start going from there. 100%. And 99% of the people would not do those three things. Right. Because it's not fun. You know, it's no. not what they think of. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I did, you know, two yeah. hours of that. It's like, dude, it's a job, man. Like, if you want to do it, like, this is what you do every there's day. A grind, there's a definitely a grind component. Yeah. But you watch HGTV or like oh, whatever, yeah. flip this house. And yeah. it's like, oh, it's all like, oh, it's so fun. We're picking out a tile. And look at all this money we made. And like, right. you know, they don't show all the work that went in to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we should do that. We should do an opposite uh, show where they just show us like, all the day-to-day, all the like <laughs> turmoil that goes into Just it. The doldrums. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, oh, let's see the end factor. Like, you know, who cares? It turned out great. That's the way it always <laughs> right. turns out. But let's, let's see how it really goes. That'd be the real, like, that's the realistic approach. Like that's the grind, that's the grind, the day in, the day out. That's what I love about it too, though, is like, um, it's never the same. Mm-mm. You no, know what I mean? Not. Like there's a lot of pro it's problem solving. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some, some of the problems are similar and like you build systems to like, just make sure it doesn't become a problem. Right. But then like, I'm always learning 10 years, even after 10 years, I'm still always learning something mm-hmm. new, which is like what I love about it too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. it's frustrating, Yeah. but um, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of gratification in that. Yeah. And uh, if you're not paying attention to it's as changes happen, it, I mean, they may be similar changes than you've then that you saw you've seen before, Sure. you know, but kind of paying attention and be ready for those changes because I mean, what, we do to um be successful today isn't the same as it was a year and a half ago no or a year and a half before that 100 and you know probably nowhere near what it'll be in a year and a half from now you know 100%. things are always changing and you just can't just always do what you've always done no that's the interest i mean on a number of fronts right like mm-hmm. i feel like as an agent the marketing and like you know especially with social media yeah like now you know, most like apartment clients that I'm cold calling or, you know, they're mostly like 50, you know, in their fifties, like right. they built a portfolio. Right. So they're probably not on TikTok. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, the next generation probably is. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, I feel like there's this interesting like mid period. And then we like, we don't deal with like the Zillows and the stuff right. as much, right. but I know that's a very, like, that's an interesting dynamic. Right. On the other side with them being home buyers and stuff, it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting. You got to flex, like mm-hmm. move with it. Yeah. And then with the market too, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like whoever would have guessed when COVID hit, so many people were like, it was so amazing. The sky is falling. Like yeah. it's, and then what? We're up 30%. That's crazy. Yeah. Who, who would have guessed? I never, I didn't hear one person be like, oh, the market's going to go up 30% in 18 months. I, I didn't think it would go up 30%, but I didn't think it was going to drop. 
And but but okay. and and COVID when that happened, that's the only reason I got into this place we're sitting in now is because right. it was in contract. Then people freaked and went out of contract. I'm like, oh great, yeah. And so I was able to scoop this up. There you go. Um, but uh, I mean, I just feel like that's another thing as far as like putting in the work and paying attention as well, because you know, there's no guarantee that that would have worked out, you know, but sure. uh, from paying attention and just trying to put yourself in the best position, because like we've talked about a lot, you know, obviously the different things for investing of like locations you're going to buy in, even if it wouldn't have gone up, I would have been able to run it out and make some money. So that, you know, right. I, I just, as long as you have two positive, you know, possible positive outcomes, I think we're good. But right. that kind of leads me to, to a, a second thing. I, I want to get back to a little bit because I know there's other questions you'll have about getting into commercial, but yeah. um, we talk about some kind of that day-to-day grind and some of the pain they ask that can be. But also the, one of the things I think is really cool is if, is when you keep your eyes open part of, and we'll get into networking, I'm sure too, like that's a huge, huge. part of this business, Massive. right? Like right. how many times have I sent you just in the last couple of weeks? Like, Hey, do you know this agent, you know, yeah. from your company? Like, do you have any info on this property and stuff? Right. If you, yeah. The more people you work with and have a relationship where you can, you know, a trust relationship or yes. some kind of, um, you know, something that you can rely on just to steer each other in the right direction or right. like, Hey, that's probably not a good call or whatever. But, um, to me, the coolest part isn't just the transactions it's being involved. in. when you do network and get around people, it's the opportunity you have for yourself because I get just as excited for uh, just getting a cool investment that I can take down as I do for selling a home or helping someone sell their home or you know, oh, whatever. 100%. It's like, yeah. I'd say probably 50% of my income comes from getting into the investments that pop up because we're right. there. Right. You know? Right. You gotta be present. Like that's the, the, what I love in part of like when I was saying, I kind of caught the real estate bug mm-hmm. was my goal and still my goal is to be like on the principal side of the transaction. Right. Right. Which I am. I've been fortunate enough to buy a few deals mm-hmm. and continue to try to acquire more of that. Right. Right. Um, so as I knew brokers were like the first in line to see mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're market participants just as much as the buyer or the seller is. Right. So that's where you see like the best deals like aren't necessarily you can still find great deals on the market, right. but as a broker, whether it's for yourself or for your client, mm-hmm. um, that deal, you know, I find a great deal. Like there's, you know, five, 10 guys right. that like I'm hitting up calling like, Hey, I found a deal for you. Right. And they know they might not hear from me for three or four months, but they know if I'm calling, like it's real. Yeah. They're going to look at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not just like peppering that stuff out. Yeah. 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 But that's to your point. Um, like the win-win aspect of that, like is super exciting. Like making the commissions great, Mm -hmm. but like helping my client, like, and everyone, and every client's different too. Right. You know what I mean? Like I had one guy who wanted to lose money for tax reasons. And it was like, why didn't you call me? I would have totally bought that. (laughs) It's like, it makes no sense, but for him it does. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I don't want to get too off tangent, but like you, and you, I'm sure you get this question a lot. Like, Oh, like, what do you want? Like, what's your goal as a buyer? Like, I want a good deal. Yeah. Like you hear it all the time. You're like, that means something like different to so Every many person, different people. Yeah. So like define for me what a good deal is for you. Right. And then as like agents, we can go out and chase that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like vastly different. It could be location. It could be unit mix. It could be like whatever. Oh, it's right. for my kids or, Oh, I just need to place this money. Like for one reason or the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, when some, uh, be the gambit. you probably, um, 
on your side probably get more repeat investors or, you know, cause like a lot of what I'm doing now is kind of helping first time investors, you know, learn right. and get, get in the door there. Um, so you may not hear it quite as often, but I get so many people who get wrapped up in, could you not just like the list price? And they're like, oh, but I don't want to, you know, I want a good deal. If this is going to be investment, it has to be a good deal. And to your point again, like, like, well, what do you consider a good deal? Like, well, right. I don't want to pay 50,000 over ask price. I'm like, when we first started, like the first thing I told you is list price is irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. It is irrelevant. Yep. Like, let's look at the numbers. What will it rent for? What will, you know, yep. where, what kind of appreciation can you expect here? And cool. What is the right number for you? Like decide right. that, right. not like, I don't want to pay over, you know, I don't want to pay way over list price. Like, especially dude, so in this stupid. market, like you're not going to get a deal. <laughs> no, there's no such thing. <laughs> you're not going to pay over. <laughs> yeah, price. exactly. And especially and if they're listing, right yeah, it's like the only, the only thing that people can do to screw up is way overprice a property. Right. So if you yes. feel like you're getting a deal, you're probably getting screwed. <laughs> right. And if you feel like you're getting screwed, you're probably in a good spot. You know, right. like there's a good chance you're in a good spot. I, uh, uh, like to your point, um, there's two deals last week that I wrote on full price on both. And like, I always ask the agent, like, okay, like what's the next step? Cause you know, like it's going to go to multiple counter. Are you going to open the doors up? Like just, you know, yeah. so I can educate my client and, uh, neither of them full price offers like strong, you know, proof of funds, yeah. uh, pre-approval letter, like, like a strong package. Yeah. Not even a counter just like, Oh, we got in both cases, two different deals. We got an offer X amount over list, like all cash. And one of them said they removed contingencies with the offer. With the offer. And I'm like, all right. Well, can't, I wouldn't have countered me. I wouldn't have countered me either. <laughs> yeah. But well, interestingly, these are in like uh, like core markets. Right. One was in uh, like a good part of Golden Hill, and the other one was in like like Prime North Park. Right. So there's a lot of buyers for that. Right. But there's still, uh, and I'm like, I know you're seeing this too. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can go to like Chula Vista, Imperial Beach, Escondido, like there's yeah. still, you know, they're not like core core markets. Yeah but they're still great markets Agreed. and find that maybe it's not 20 offers. Maybe it's two or three. Yeah. But you can find if the goal is cash flow. You can find good cash flow. They're still going to appreciate well. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can still find decent deals. Right. But you got to go out even there. You got to go out there. You got to shake those trees. Yeah. Like, well, right now, and I, I don't know if we talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago when we met up, but there's also things that are just on the MLS that are, people are passing up because the rents are low. Right. And I feel like, uh, for two reasons, I'm guessing, you know, like a lot of people have been in those, you know, been in those, uh, you know, units since prior to COVID. Right. I'm sure a lot of landlords, which, which I get too, I did the same thing. I wasn't going to raise rents on anybody who, if they're able to pay, I'm just appreciative they're able to pay. I didn't right. raise any rents or anything like that. But if they were in at a lower rent to start with, and now we've got a couple years gone by and it's still that same rent, you know, and people are going off of that versus, Hey, what's the potential rent? Or, you know, how long is the lease left on that? So there's still like some of those that, that are available. But I know we did, I think, talk about the other day was the, um, like, for instance, the VA buyers, because that's what I'm doing, right? I'm really trying to get a lot of VA buyers into these multi-unit, you know, yeah. utilize that. It makes and a ton of sense. It does, right? And yeah. that's something that still makes sense because especially if they're going to move, you know, hey, if they're moving into a unit, sometimes they forget like no how much time, how many times you factor when, when light bulbs come on, people understand stuff. Right. But right. it's like, it comes on at different points or different parts of the right. different parts of the problem light up at different times too. Sure. Right. And people will be like, well, that doesn't cash flow because I'm living in this unit. It's like, well, how much would you be paying for rent? Right. Like you, you're, you're now living in a $3,000 unit, 
you know, or $3,000 would be $3,000 rent, but you're paying like 750 or a thousand dollars because that cash flow from the other three is paying for you to live like that's cash yeah. flow, and you put no money into it. Right. Right. So the VA loan is like the best loan product on the market, period. Like Agreed. period. So if you can get a VA loan and get a two, three or four unit, like leverage it to what you're comfortable. Right. But to your point, um, living in there, like your effective rent. Exactly. It's like, well, it's not like cash flow. It really is because yeah. it's like a penny saved. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It makes, it makes so much sense. And the interest rates are still crazy. Consistently, what, a quarter a point yeah, better? Yeah, a quarter sometimes to a half. Sometimes half a point. Yeah. 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 Like two and a quarter. They were at two and a quarter for what? Two years? Like for a while. Yeah. Like and they, they would bounce barely... up and down like a quarter point, but it was like steady there. For, yeah. It's, it's and they're crazy. still crazy cheap. Yeah. I was talking to, I don't know. I was talking to my buddy, two different lenders. One was at like two, three, seven, five and two and a half. Yeah. Which is still like free money. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, and now we're starting to see it's starting to creep up just a little, right? It's starting, starting to creep up. But I, I, the bad news is for people that have been waiting for stuff to fall off, right? Prices to fall off. That hasn't happened. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening either. You know, I think we will like probably plateau and not grow as quickly. Yes. But as rates go up, that's going to, they're going to be affording less home. And then when the rates go back down and I think, you know, again, we'll probably be a year and a half or something at a certain point before that happens again. And, and then prices will start climbing more quickly again and you're going to miss the boat. You know what I right. mean? And that's not to say it's not still good to buy, but you're just not going to get what you could get now because sure. it's kind of that cost of waiting. Well, I've been waiting for it to drop off and it never happens. You're still paying rent. You yes. know, if you're paying rent, if you're not, and it's like, oh, I'm just looking to make a move. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got your, you kind of got your foothold in the market. You're, you're okay. Right. But I just don't see that it will make a big difference. And I think it will make a big difference in investment income, right? Because if you're, if you're leveraging properties and you're paying considerably more, that's going to impact your, your cash flow for sure. Right. So, um, you know, paying attention to that, I think it's going to be a big thing, but some people will, you know, I've heard just in the last couple of weeks, they're like, oh man, it's going to hit 4%. Again, I'm like, dude, three years ago we were at 5% yeah. and that was still great. Yes. Right. Like in the grand scheme, that was still amazing. Yeah. I think like a historic average interest rate is like plus or minus 7%. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's nuts. Mean? So like, I feel anything five or less is an insanely good deal. hundred percent. So it's like the calculation, like I run through a lot of clients is like, can you afford it? And then what's your time frame, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. if you're going to buy it and then watch Zillow or something every day to see how much your equity's gone up, like, don't, like it's like watching your stock, a long-term stock just daily. Don't, right. Yeah. Just don't, don't worry about it. If you're in it for five, seven, 10 years or longer, like you're going to be just fine. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, if you buy anything that you are comfortable, you will not have to sell. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm right. buying something and I intend it to be an investment, I intend it to be rented. Right. It's one thing if it's like, Hey, I, in two years, I want to sell this property and get my dream home. Well, that might not be the best time. That's like, you know, it's a different thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Hey, where's it going to be in two years? Can I sell this and make the money and get the right? Money? Probably not what I'm going to put my money into if that's my situation. Right. You, you know? like, we can guess. Mm -hmm. We're like, well, it's, it might be here, but I mean, it might not. I could say, I could say with more confidence in five years, it's probably going to be higher. Yes. In 10 years, it's definitely going to be higher. Yeah, right. exactly. Like you just look at a graph over the course of the last. Yes. I mean, even 70 years since and, like the height before the crash, we're still, now we're well above. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the funny part. Like when I started to what we were talking about earlier, like I remember, like I was so like just night, I don't know, I guess naive. Yeah. Like I was, uh, 
Like I knew real estate was gonna was a good investment. I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to get into it. And then once I learned how to like analyze and go through all that, like every deal I looked at, like in PB, where wherever it was, the most desirable markets, every single deal was a double digit return. Right. And I knew that that was good. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And so I, was I like, don't know much, but I know that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm like doing these analysis. I'm like, oh, no wonder everyone loves real estate. Like it all yields double digit returns. Like not so naive to the fact that that was just such a good opportunity right. to buy. And my clients that like I was building, like as I was starting, yeah. were casting just a, a huge net. Yeah. And many of them have, you know, tripled their net worth uh, buying like, uh, one of them was like, we did a 45 unit deal in El Cajon and it was like three twos and like twos, like huge parcel, decent condition, but like pretty big units. I think it closed for like one Oh five a door. Mm-hmm. I'm like that deal today is worth three times that easy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it is. And it so is. like looking back, it's like, I don't know. Not also not. That's just what it's worth now. That's not what they've made over that time frame too. Well, yeah. Like you those, know what I mean? That's even like, more two or whatever they were, three bedroom townhomes that were renting for like 950, mm-hmm. you know, market rent on that now is like 2,500 bucks. Right. Right. And that's the thing with apartments is if you're, you know, capitalizing mm-hmm. a cap rate, right. If you're capital, you're just capitalizing the rents. Right. So as the rents go up, then, you know, the value just follows. Yeah. So it's, uh, and I, and I don't like, I don't see that trend slowing down. No. You know what I mean? Obviously it's, I think we front loaded a lot the last year and a half, but I don't see it like, reversing in any significant way well if everything's still based even real estate supply and demand right and we still don't have enough housing nowhere near yeah Yeah. so i don't think uh you know if you're buying up some of it someone's got to live in it right you know and you get to dictate that right you know i mean not even doing it in an ass way you know just like you you know it's going to go up with the rest of the markets that's just how it how it goes it's a business you i mean it's it's personal for a lot of people because it's their housing right but at the same time like any business you charge whatever the market rate is Mm -hmm. and exactly to your point supply and demand is so out of balance like there's nowhere near enough supply yeah that like nothing's abating rents Right. Or, you know, housing prices, I feel, get to just a certain affordability level yeah. where it's like the incomes just aren't there to keep that going up. Exactly. But what's the catalyst to make it go the other way? I don't. I don't see the one, fundamentals really. are super strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think. Well, there's a difference, too, then. And kind of going back to the difference in, in residential and commercial, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. it, some of it crosses over for sure. The basics and the fundamentals Quite cross a, over. Yeah. Right. Right. But for, um, commercial, like, um, I know we've talked before cause I didn't know all the, how, how segregated it was, you know right. what I mean? So what do you see as, you know, what would you guess, you know, I'm not really guess, but what would you, <laughs> what would you speculate that the, um, you know, for instance, let's say offices, because we've heard, I'm sure you've heard, you know, everyone talks, oh my gosh, now people know you can work at home after COVID. Yeah. No one will go back to offices. And I think we can already see people going back to offices and a lot of people want to go back to offices. Sure. Um, what do you speculate that that's going to look like? It's yeah, no, that's like a, that's a really good question. And I feel like, and I read, like I follow a lot of smart people that are trying, like asking that same question. Mm-hmm. Like what does the office landscape look like from this point forward? To your point, I think uh, a lot of companies realize that a lot of their people that like, can work remotely you know what i mean right. like they're in a job that's in front of a computer or something that are not like in a factory or whatever right. like can be effective working mm-hmm. from home um 
so for some like companies, it's a savings. Right. So on the institutional side, you know what I mean? Like the apples or the Facebooks or whatever, yeah. I feel like there's probably just a certain segment that's mm-hmm. just not going to come back. Right. It's so like anecdotally, I have a uh, furnished rental and um, there was a gal who worked out of Seattle for Amazon web services. And uh, during that time, and was open for rent. I had, I normally rent to like travel nurses, uh-huh. uh, but I was getting it's like a significant number of t- like tech people coming out of like the Pacific Northwest or like Silicon Valley that were kind of just exploring options. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I might move to San Diego. I might do this. I might do that. So, um, I don't want to get too sidetracked from your oh, question. Um, uh, so on the institutional side, like it's going to be interesting to see what um what kind of absorption like the office market has right Right. so like uh you had queued me up on this so uh this is a report from newmark they're more of an institutional uh office brokerage Mm -hmm. so like san diego vacancy rates uh for office which is quite higher than multifamily multifamily averages like three to five percent uh-huh but and when did covid covid was march so at the lowest point, it was at 12%. This is countywide. Um, vacancy? Vacancy for office. Uh, it's currently at like 14. It tops at about 15%, right? But what's interesting, and I'm not exactly sure why, if you look at the chart, the average asking rent also increased with vacancy, which does not right. make sense. Which means, which tells me, and. I, I don't know if this is right or not, that there's probably quite a bit of class A, like mm-hmm. high end office space. Right. Uh, coming online yeah. at the same time that the vacancy is going up. So right. I feel like you also get a shift of people coming out of like C or B buildings mm-hmm. that are like, oh, okay, we're paying 225 a foot. Oh, we can go get this class A space for yeah. like 250 a foot because there's a lot more of it, right? Right. So I wonder if some of it's that. But what's also interesting, and I've been hearing this for like the last year, is uh, so San Diego is the uh, uh, third largest life sciences uh-huh. market. Yeah. So that's like uh, all the biotech stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a deal, a fairly large, I don't know how many square feet being built, but Merge 56 up in Carmel Valley mm-hmm. that uh, was planned for office. And I've heard that much of that is going to become life science. Yeah. Um, Horton Plaza is getting redeveloped and it was, I think going to be a traditional office. And I guess there's quite a few life science tenants looking at it. Yeah. And then there was a, um, there was another one in here. And I don't know if it was in this report or not, I was reading, but there's three other projects that are coming online. They're also going life science. So, and this is where it's interesting. And this is what I like about, um, like if you understand, okay, there's on the office front, the absorption that's happening is in like the life science space, which is generally high paying job, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So those high paying people, like those well-paid people have to live somewhere, got to live somewhere. Yeah. Right. And I'm seeing it like I live in rich, uh, rich mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. So along the 56 corridor, the housing is ridiculous. Like it, it's like, it's crazy. So so Merge 56 is right there. And then Sereno Valley is at the 556 interchange. You got Qualcomm yeah. and a lot of high paying people. So it's, uh, it's like interesting. And that's what I love about real estate is like, you can kind of start like putting those puzzle pieces together 
Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, why? Because at first I was like, why is it like going so nuts around here? And then you look at stuff like this, you're like, oh, there's a lot of extremely high paid people right. coming in just through um, the, the types of companies that are moving into the office yeah. buildings. But then I feel also the decoupling of uh, the Silicon Valley types that like, I'm nothing against Silicon Valley or Central Coast, but like I'd rather live in San Diego. Right, for sure. The weather's nicer yeah. down here, right? So if you can do that, you want to stay in California, I feel like there's some of that happening yeah. too. You know what I mean? I don't know if that answers uh, answers well, your question, but it's uh, no, it kind of it, it's interesting to see the dynamics. It is of, the markets are all interconnected in some way, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, it might not be like obvious, like a cursory look, right? But you dig in, you can see like you can see how there's cause and effect. Well, I mean, it goes to when you're looking for your just your residential rentals, right, or your investment properties for that. You know, like yeah. what are you looking at besides like you know you're looking for employment, right? Because population is going to follow that employment. Yes. And then when you're looking at that, that's a great point that you just brought up at the type of job. So, right. Hey, well then that's going to tell you what kind of property that's going to be rented. So now right. you can, you know, you can have higher price, you yeah. can have nicer, uh, rentals or, you know, put a little bit more into it or something than you maybe would in certain areas. Cause those, you know, they're probably not moving as often or whatever the case is, but, um, also like on the purchase side, who they, those are the best clients, right? Coming from areas like the Bay Area that right. come down for a job and it's like, and you're, yeah, there. you're like, oh man, well, <laughs> you know, that's gonna, that townhome's gonna cost you 1.1 now. And they're like, oh, great. Yeah. Like such a bargain. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot where you're coming from. Thank you so much. I had, uh, I had a client um, who was from uh, Cupertino, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is Apple's yeah. Facebook's headquarters. Yeah, they, I think it's well, Apple, right? Yeah, so they had like, um, he sent me like the Zillow link when it was in escrow, uh, just cause I was blown away at the price he was getting. So it was like a three bedroom, one bath, uh -huh. like, like similar to what you might see in a Claremont, like single level, you know what I mean? Like 1200 square foot, yeah. like nice house, yeah, but like not huge, but location, obviously, mm -hmm. um, his parents, he had inherited it and, uh, he, his wife was from San Diego. So they sold this house and this was like three or four years ago for 1.6 million for like a 1200 square foot house in Cupertino. There was like, like, again, it was like a nice house, but it was like, I was like, what? And then bought a really nice house, like in Mount Helix and yeah. like an eight unit apartment building. And that's it was like, nuts. but those like that, I feel like oh, that's coming to San Diego. Yeah. So I'm in this, like, um, as I'm like, cause I'm always, like you said earlier, mm -hmm. trying to stay like current with the market and flexible. Right. right? It's like, okay. Like affordability, you know, affordability is like median home price and median income. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, if median incomes, you know, if this is like the median income, especially in certain areas, well, then the affordability, like housing prices can continue to go up. Right. Because they can afford it. Right. Right. So it's like controlling that dynamic is interesting. It's so interesting to watch. It right? is. It is interesting. And then it's hard to tell you like, okay, but, but is it a top? Because if affordability starts to plateau but median incomes continue to go up, then no, it's not. Like, yeah. When it's hard to, and that to me, it's like, you know, people, it's easy to say, they're like, oh, I just want to wait because I want to buy at the peak. I'm like, you don't know it's a peak until it starts going down. Right. You don't know you're at the top of anything until it starts going down. And like, so good luck, you know? Right. right. I, I get, I would love to do that too, but it would be yeah. dumb luck if I bought something and, you know, essentially like, oh, well the next month, look, things are starting to drop. Like, right. wow, I was, you know, crystal ball told me to do that. It just doesn't <laughs> happen, man. <laughs> No, I like that. It's a, uh, I mean, it's like, I think it just at a fundamental level, like just buy 
and sell when it makes sense for you yeah. and your goals. For like, me, it's kind of like, is what I would get from property A, is is that going to make me more money in property B and C over here? You know what I mean? Like right. if I can make a move that I think has more growth at that time that maybe I couldn't have gotten into before, 100%. I'll do it. If not, why mess with it? Right. You know, it's right. uh, but that kind of brings it back to, um, you were talking to the, talking about the off, office space and how people moving from say a class B office space into a class A. It's the same, you know, with uh, real estate investments. Can you kind of break that down a little bit for people who may not know the difference like an oh, ABC? Like ABC? ABC? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, you don't hear D often, but it's uh, a would be, and there's even like plus or minus and it yeah. depends on like how gritty you want to get. Right. But like a class A space would be like something and say like a newer building UTC right. or you know, downtown, like, you know, probably been built in the last five years, dense, maybe 10 years. Dense population, near employment. Yeah. Like well, so there's and, two things. There's two mm -hmm. things. There's a uh, location. Mm -hmm. So you can classify location on ABC, right? Uh -huh. And D, you don't hear D often again. And then the building type building by ABC, yeah. right? So like ideally, if you're an investor, right? right. Using that like metric, you want to buy the C or D building and the A location, right? Right, like it's like buying the worst house on the block, right? Exactly. So, and then the metrics, like here, it's um, even in here, which I was surprised to see, the average asking rent for office in San Diego is three dollars and twenty cents a foot. Like that's really high, yeah. Right. So that's more of like, and this is geared towards more of like institutional type clients, but that's like that's pretty high, yeah. Um, whereas like the building I showed you in Point Loma. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. we're getting, that's like a, that's a, you know, a B plus area. Right. And like a C plus B minus building. Uh huh. And we're getting like two bucks a foot. Right. And that's more, your like workhorse, mm -hmm. smaller owner type tenant. Right. Where these numbers are more like your institutional, you know, your, your apples, your big, like right. uh, your big companies. But again, like all that intersects somewhere. But also what you're showing me that, you know, over in Point Loma, that's gonna naturally not just increase because of time, but with all the changes that are going to be happening over there as well, that's going to yeah. build that up, you know? So yeah. sometimes even if you're building is even if it's not something that you can put your, you know, your sweat equity or your, um, you know, a little bit of capital into to increase it. Sure. Sometimes someone else do it for you in the area, you yeah. know, which is even yeah. better, right? Uh, in yeah. an area where, you know, development's <laughs> coming, like just get ahead and of that. And it is over there. That whole sports Huge. arena complex is back. Well, it's back out to bid because, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I won't get into that, but <laughs> there's, they're redeveloping the sports arena. Right. And we're like, we're right by that. So we will get the benefits, of the new development that goes there. I think that's a, those are all good things to factor in. And I think that's the, I, I love the ABC and I, I like that you broke it down. I, I forget about that sometimes to break it down into location and, you know, property itself, mm -hmm. because I think that's a, a, a great way to help people understand. And I just kind of sometimes just go with the ABC and not don't break that down. I think that's awesome. A little differentiation, because yeah. that can just uh, really help you leverage oh. more as well. And uh, you reminded me. Uh, so there are certain things you would do, whether it's like a multifamily mm -hmm. or office um, to say like more by location type, like, you know, if you're buying uh, in PB or something yeah. like you're going to go to the nines, like candlelighting, like stainless, yeah. like super nice. Right. Yeah. But other areas in San Diego, you may not have a tenant that like, like any tenant's going to appreciate that, Yeah, but that may not, um, like be able to afford it or pay for it. Yeah. And then maybe even like take care of it. Like you got to be, mm -hmm. you got, so you kind of have to understand that metric too, um, into providing 
like what the market will bear. Right. 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 So like I have seen uh, newer investors like super, I would say over improve for the yeah. area. Yeah. And then when it's like, when they get it back a year or two later and they're like, Oh yeah. They're like, they're oh like, crap. You got to know your tenant type too. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. And you, you, yeah, there's a lot of things you don't get your money back on. we do the same when we have like a, a client who's prepping to sell. Right. And they're like, oh, well, we want to, you know, give us two months because we always wanted to do this, this, and this. So we're going to get that done. We're like, dude, you lived in this house for five years. Now you want to do what you wanted to do right. before you move out. Like, stop, just stop working. Right. Don't like, just l- let's take a look at it. And, uh, you know, don't make it your dream home. It might not be the next person. Now for you're sure. not getting that money back when we, when we put it on the market. So that's a good point. Yeah. But it's, it's true. And then, uh, same with, <laughs> Same with, and I get it too. I want things to be nice, but it depends on the area. And you get a first time investor that goes in and just wants like, well, I would want this. I would want that. I would want that. And it's like, well, you also would take care of that. Right. Do you know what I mean? So yes. sometimes it doesn't, it just is not worth it to put. Not always. You know, and no. you can make something super, super nice reasonably. Right. Like yeah. you may, maybe you do for Micah instead of granite. Like yeah. if the counters are terrible, you don't necessarily have to do granite. You can do for Micah. It right. still looks nice. Right. Like maybe you don't do, you know, ceramic tile floors. You do like an LVT. Like yeah. you can still make it look great mm-hmm. and like be, you know, wear and tear is another big thing you want to yeah. consider, right? On what you're putting in, right? That's why I, lo- is, I love LVP for rentals because LVT it's is like amazing. In, in, again, yeah. almost indestructible. It really is. You know, yeah. it's great. It looks great. Well, I mean, yeah. there's different qual. Obviously, there's different qualities of everything yeah. we talk about, it's, but it's a good product. Yeah, we use it quite a bit. Um, uh, so you can still do all those things and still get like a, a premium rent mm-hmm. for that area. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just be strategic and. You know, is it a sixty thousand dollar remodel or a thirty thousand dollar remodel? Right. You know right. what I mean? Because it can get away real quick. It does get away real quick. <laughs> it's like you're looking at me like, whoa, more, whoa, 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 whoa. It always costs more than you think. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I just kind of like when I get uh, in a bid now, I just basically say, okay, well, so twenty percent added to that, and then I'm might be yeah in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, you run all your numbers and like plus twenty. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, and then I'm not as heartbroken when I see the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> start writing more checks. Well. Uh, so kind of back to, again, because I had no knowledge on any of this on the commercial side, because yeah. people do ask a lot about um, like, Hey, I want to get in real estate. Well, do, should I do commercial or residential and stuff? And I'm like, I don't really have enough to tell you. From but an agent's perspective or just like when people are getting out, they don't even know that I see. That's the thing. You know, when people first start, and I don't know if you're the same way, like when you were starting it, um, like when you're going to go to school for it, it's like, Real estate, you know, it's a good idea. You know, you can, but is it because of investors? Is it because of an agent? Is it right. just business in general? Do you go a different route? But they talk about a commercial or residential as far as, yeah, being like an agent to get into the business. Sure. But um, what is one of the, because I didn't know how to answer this, but I did know there's a couple divisions within commercial. Like I didn't know how segregated it would become right. or, or how far, but what about like, how does a commercial agent get paid? Because there's obviously multiple ways Right. And multiple types of job, not, not on the investing side, but just on the agent side. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. So, um, it's like, for what I do, it's very similar Mm -hmm. to like a residential agent. It's commissions. Mm -hmm. So I close a deal, I get paid. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like what I call like the mom and like the mom pop investor, but also like the mom and pop brokerage space. Right. So like in our office, I think we have 26 agents. Mm -hmm. And our average deal size is probably like plus or minus 2 million Okay, up to like five, you know, there'll be like a $10 million deal here or there. Right. And that's mostly like local, 
maybe larger syndicators like mm-hmm. local investors, but probably not like national. Right. Like, so you get to this certain mark where uh, it's like an institutional investor, right? Like right. your your REITs, right? Mm-hmm. Your real estate investment trusts, or just like um, like Blackstone, like some of those bigger right. Archstone, who I think Blackstone bought. Then that's like fifty million plus, right? So if you're like uh, a broker there, it's the same. It's commissions. Um, But if you're like an agent looking to get more onto the institutional side, um, then you're probably going to start as like a runner Mm -hmm. or an analyst and you're going to get paid probably not great. You know what I mean? And you're going to kind of like, like earn your cut, I guess. You know what I mean? Like look look at it as like a paid internship almost. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, um, I don't want to say it's like you get the privilege to work there. Yeah. But to some extent, like you kind of got to prove yourself and like earn your spot within a team. And mm-hmm. then if, and some, and I have friends like I went to college with who are analysts, they're really good analysts mm-hmm. and they get paid, they get paid well. Yeah. Um, but they're like comfortable just being an analyst. Right. So it's more of like a W2. Yeah. Uh, type Less job. risk. Yeah. Like they're working with the brokers, you know, putting together the deal, the deal points of research, like mm-hmm. whatever it is that the team needs. Um, or like the step before that would be like being a runner, mm-hmm. which is like pretty much like, you know, minimum wage. You might do that for a couple of years and then earn your way up. Right. So it's, so on the agent side, what I liked coming out of the Navy and like, basically like, just give me a phone. I'm going to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I didn't necessarily, you know, institutional is great, yeah. but I just wanted to hustle and get after it. So I'm at more of like a boutique brokerage, uh-huh. right? Like we're bigger and we have decent market share for what we do in right. San Diego and we're in Sacramento as well. Um, um, but you know, like I can walk into the owner's office. Like, like he's my friend. Yeah. yeah like we've yeah. become friends. You know right. what I mean? We're like, if you're at one of the big institutional companies, like as the CEO and he's, you know, he's probably in Chicago or somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. So I don't know if they, like on the agent front, I'd say getting paid like that's, that would be, the main difference. Gotcha. Whether you're kind of more with a local company where you can go out and just earn mm-hmm. as a broker, or if you're an institution or company where it's where I'd say there's like more opportunity, but you, you, you got to prove yourself a little more for you're like given the opportunity to, to actually like broker. Right. Um, and it's a little more, it's, I don't want to say it's more sophisticated because I feel like knowledge wise I'm on that same level. Mm hmm. Uh, but there's an expectation of that gotcha. from like from your client. Right. You right, know, those right. guys are boiling it down to like the basis point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like point yeah. zero one to point zero five, like makes a difference when it's a $300 million deal. It, right. Exactly. So where like, you know, if we're in like a yeah, quarter percent here, there, like, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's a good, that's a good point too, because the, yeah, it does get pretty, you know, the minutia. You can get caught in the weeds. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we were talking about that earlier, like paralysis by analysis. You know what I mean? At a certain point, it's like, okay, I know enough. It makes enough sense that like, let's go. Yeah. And and in today's market, like you met, and that was something else you mentioned earlier. was like, um, it's really hard to be competitive if you're buying on in-place rents. Like if you're looking at multifamily or any commercial, really. Like if it's maxed out, you know, and the Mm -hmm. rents are like to the nines, then you just know, okay, this is selling at a 4% return. Right. So if you're comfortable with a 4% return and mm-hmm. you like everything else about it, great. Like that deal works for you. Right. Like that's the good deal for that person. Right. But like, if you're someone looking for value, like, like you or myself, mm-hmm. or I'm sure like a lot of the clients we work with, right. you want upside. Right. Like if you're going to try to buy with what's in place, you're never going to win a deal. Exactly. Like you have to buy 
And th- I saw this transition start to happen in like 2016, 17, like 2010 to 15, you could buy on the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And like, if it's a, say a going in five and a half cap, like then you could buy it at a going in five and a half cap. But right now, like a lot of these deals, you're buying it, like going in three cap or yeah. it's even losing money today. Yeah. yeah. But you know, through investment, turning the units, whatever, you know, your pro forma might be a five to seven cap or whatever. Right. And then, so then you you have to make an offer based on that pro forma five Mm -hmm. to seven cap, which uh, as good agents, right? Like we can help coach our clients to be like, right. Okay. Don't worry about what is now. Here's what I know it can be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. It wasn't like that. Like, yeah, it's in the last few years. Like, yeah. Like you got to flex with the market and Mm -hmm. the market is now buying on pro forma. Yeah. And so as long as you understand that you're good, yeah. like there's, but what's the alternative? Not invest, not invest. That's, no, yeah. that's the, other. yeah, exactly. So yeah. You know. Buy bonds. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever yeah. other people are buying. I <laughs> well, you know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, that's like, but you do, you do have to flex. That's huge. You just got to flex, pay attention and get, you know, do what you can do, do mm. the best that you can do. And that's why you, you brought up for a few of the areas, you know, like how, like up there with the bio, you know, like it, it's, it is, it's growing, 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 but it's, um, the same, uh, one of the things that I'd sent you to look at, like kind of, that's the great thing too, kind of about the network, right? Like, yeah. uh, like I've sent you a couple things, you know, and like, yeah. just where like, Hey, do you, you know, check this one out or whatever. And it was the one down in Chula Vista. So it's the older Chula Vista, the Western side. Yeah. And it's like, cool right now. It makes sense. It makes sense right now. If you're going to put a little bit into a little bit of work into it and stuff to really make some good return. But right. also just knowing that they're developing that whole harbor front area there. That's, you it's know, like a billion dollar project. Yeah. yeah. That's just going to be all new with like resort, you know, condo. That's gonna, and like it's, yeah. that's what I, to me, that makes it goes from, hey, a good deal today to phenomenal deal in five years. Exactly. So, you know, is like, I'm okay with that. I don't care if it's, yeah. you know, if it's, uh, if he, I, you have to manage something just to make a thousand dollars a month now because in five years that's a different ball game uh massively and that's to like again like that's a great point like knowing those puzzle pieces like Mm -hmm. if you know that that's coming you know what i mean then you can anticipate what's going to happen in the surrounding market right right right. like that project some pieces of it have gotten off the ground but like it's entitled it's approved Mm -hmm. they just got to get it built because i mean for the longest time that they hadn't got that far. It was just last year, right? Just last year. They that- dealt with a lot of like coastal, mm-hmm. like coastal commission type issues. And uh, a lot of people don't realize um, like a typical, like ground up development, mm-hmm. like a green, uh, what they call it, was it greenfield? Yeah, I think it's called greenfield. Where basically you're going in where something's never been developed. Yeah. It's not just like a lot. Yeah. Um, there's so many hurdles. Like CEQA, the, the, the term CEQA wasn't in the general public until real estate started getting really expensive. Mm-hmm. And then developers have been harping about it for a long time. Like everything's so expensive because of all these environmental regulations, right. which are good. We need them. Right. But to a certain extent, like uh, it costs money to, to abide by those for a developer to go right. out and make a project. Yeah. So, so what happens is just a lot of developments don't get off the ground because they don't pencil because there's all these, what they call soft costs, right? right. Like it's like, it's not the cost of a two by four, it's the cost of like paying a biologist to go out and, you know, study some gnat catcher yeah, to make sure like that it's like migratory route six months. So. It, it literally yeah. gets that crazy. Yeah. So it's, um, I think I got off topic there, but, well, uh, but I know like that's the type of things because I know that, 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 that whole project had been in the works for like probably 10 years, like, at, like least, at least, yeah. 
Yeah. And it just finally is getting yeah. the approval to even start the initial pieces. Right. It's I think crazy. they actually just started, didn't they? Like, I think, uh, like the, the campground, I think mm -hmm. is either done or, um, in work. And they did some work on like, uh, there's like a Harbor front thing, yeah. but all the hotels and like the event center and yeah, stuff. That hasn't I don't started think that's yet. Broken ground yeah. Yet. Yeah. But yeah, it takes forever forever but yeah. you know but once you see that it's actually making progress that's when to me that's a great place to oh. jump. and i think especially for early invest or first time investors or people that haven't done a lot of it if you can you know it just like hedges your bet it's just something a project you yeah. like and you think you want to do well if you know something else is coming in the next right. handful of years then you kind of hedge your bet a little bit right big time yeah no and i i advise a lot of my clients like hey if you want to own like in the core of pb mm -hmm. or like uh north park or and pay that price cool like yeah. you're pretty insulated and safe right sure. your return is going to suffer for it yeah you know what i mean but if that's a suitable return for you great right like no problem right but if like again if you go back to the value piece then that's where like as agents our market knowledge knowing you know not just what the pricing is but what projects are coming and where the general trend of markets are right either either way up or down like we can add huge value for our clients and yeah. that's why i tell a lot of my clients is like um uh, like I really liked Sherman Heights, um, in like 2010, 11, 12. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was trading pretty cheap and now it's almost trading at like North park prices. And it's like, it's gentrified significantly yeah. in the last, uh, in the last 10 years. Right. And now you're starting to see it creep like into Logan Heights, Barrio Logan. Oh, Logan Heights, I think is in the last probably three years, yeah. I'd say Logan Heights has really gone nuts. Yeah. So you want to be. So now it's like, okay, is it going to hop over the 805 into like Mount Hope mm -hmm. and some of those areas like Southeast San Diego that weren't always like the most attractive? Like, right. will it go there? Generally, it seems things are going east. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? From downtown, like you can only go up so high. Yeah. Right. And downtown is going to continue to spread, I yeah. think. Right. I think that's like probably a note. So I always like to look for those like, like you're not quite in North Park, but if you can go like into City Heights or like parts of Talmadge. Where it's like, you know, Talmadge, I think is, man, that place is, I like Talmadge. Untouched. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, uh, I don't want to say untouched, but I think it's almost like a little secret almost. It is. If you look like, you know, and that's too, where you can like really get down into it. Like, are you North of Adams? Yeah. Are you between El Cajon and university, you know, East or West of 45th? And like, then that's like the, you know, like really pocketed markets. Right. Right. But you try to get little nuggets in there where like, the path of progress is obvious. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 you can see it coming. You like drive down the street, you see this house has been painted. Like, you can tell all the houses have been fixed up. Like, it's it's going that way. Right, right. So, I mean, that's where you can, um, you know, like the deal I mentioned. They had like, a, you know, wrote a full price offer, didn't even get a counter. Right, right. right. That was in the heart of North Park. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you go out to like those tertiary markets. You know, at least you're getting a counter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you may not get the deal, yeah. but you're like one of four instead of like one of twenty. You feel like you were in the in the running, <laughs> at least in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh man, it's brutal. It's still brutal. It's, it's crazy. Still brutal right it's, now. It like slowed down for a couple months. I don't know. I was like, okay, maybe we're gonna. Take... Everybody went on vacation because finally they could I've travel. Heard that maybe before, yeah. I don't know. Or they're like, just tired. August, September seemed to like pull back, and then beginning of October was the same, and then now it seems like the past couple weeks. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's like back to where it was in like May, June. Yeah. Like literally I feel like it's so it's since like since October happened, it's been back it's, to where. Yeah. And it's weird how it like, you know, so like for a stock you can, you know, buy and sell. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to sell it. It's sold. 
Well, like real estate's not as liquid, but like the market activity can. Oh, it can be. And for is sure. right now changing that fast. Mm -hmm. Well, I think anyone who who were shopping in August and September, like good for you. You know, yeah. like getting accepted, get into something that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's and I had a couple of clients. Great. Like we we found a couple of deals that like I think one of them I had written like ten offers with. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And just kept like you know, just writing offers that make sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. On deals that they liked. And eventually something stuck. You know, come to the thing of it too, I haven't really thought about the why as much, but since we're talking about this, I know, you know, we had steady business through those, you know, August, September, everything was steady, but there, we had a lot of people that were kind of on that, like, yeah, we're pretty soon. We're going to be ready. Pretty soon. We're going to be ready. And then I swear in like at the end of September, beginning of October, a ton of that. I, I don't know. Again, that I really don't know why, but a lot of them like, Hey, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. And then we're like, Holy crap. You know? All right. these people are ready to shop now, but now so is everyone else. Right. You know, it's kind of, well. It's like, uh, is it like the, I'm not like, um, I'm not into voodoo, but is it like the phases of the moon? Yes. Like, what is it? Voodoo. Because it's like the whole, it's like, it's like the whole crowd. And I'm like, it's not like we all watch the same, like, we didn't all read the same news article. Right, right. But like masses of people all just started. Was there something on like, like social media telling people that, I don't know. I, I, I wish I knew the answer. Yeah. That's why I'm like, it's like some voodoo, like right. it's some, uh, human, like the moon is in the, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, man? Something happened. I can't, I those know. are the ones I can't explain. Like, wait, what, what changed? Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's kind of when we are talking about stocks too. It's, sometimes it's public opinion. I don't know how it becomes, you know, it's kind of like what people think or what they believe and beats me, man. I don't know how they get the word out that everyone's like, Hey, let's all get together and start shopping for a home tomorrow. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Man. I know. It's funny. <laughs> well, with, uh, kind of on the residential side, we had a lot of times hit up for like, you know, people looking for help getting into a rental, mm -hmm. which obviously is brutal here. Um, because that's like probably as much or more work than getting into a home and without the, <laughs> without any commission. So it's like, well, we'd have to hire a whole team to not be able to get you into something sometimes. But on the, what about on the commercial side? If people wanted help getting like into a like office space or yeah. what about like retail space and stuff like That's that? That's a great question. Yeah. How does um, that work out? It's similar uh, in the regard that there's this, like there's a certain um, like square footage mm -hmm. or price point, like mm -hmm. as a leasing agent that, right. It just is or isn't worth your time, right? Got you. So, uh, like going back to like how does so like in a sale you get paid out of escrow, right? When you're leasing, like the landlord literally writes you a check and like mails it to your brokerage. Got so you. it's more of like a typical contractor type right. situation, right? You're not getting right. paid out of an escrow. Um. So there's like a certain you know, any space up to like five thousand square feet or mm -hmm. less is like is probably not always going to pencil unless right. the rent is is significant right um and i've like done those deals with clients where it's like because they're they're a client yeah like i'll go help them find like a three thousand square foot space right or right. whatever uh and then you get the way you get paid is on the total lease consideration mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so if it's five thousand bucks a month right that's what uh 60 grand a mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. and if they sign let's say like a three-year term on the right. deal that's 180 grand Right. So that would be equivalent to a sales price of 180 grand. Got you. Got you. And then leasing commissions are typically like 6%. Gotcha. Sometimes 7%. Um, a tenant rep broker. So like mm -hmm. someone who's bringing the tenant to the building. Mm -hmm. uh, well, a lot of times ask for four. Right. Um, uh, and so that's like negotiable. But gotcha. Generally, um, 
especially in those smaller size deals, like mm -hmm. it's going to be 6% typically shared 50, 50. Gotcha. Um, and then the landlord writes a check to the, um, leasing broker, right. Should be the person representing the landlord. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, they in turn cut a check to the tenant rep brokerage house. Gotcha. So it's a little different than right, that. Right, like right. escrow just, you know, it's just not a given. Right. Right. Well, and, so, and you, something you said too, like that, I think a lot of people that maybe aren't in that type of business wouldn't understand is like you said, it's not worth the time. And some people will probably take that as like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of, you know, kind of a dick move, but, but people don't know when they're saying is the time it takes to do it versus like the expense, the expense for your time, not just being worth more it's to a, make more, but yeah, it's opportunity. Yeah, and there's, and there's also assets that you work with. Like for instance, if you know, we work with someone for a certain amount of time right? and it's not pan hour. It's like, you know, whatever the situation is, it's not just my time. It's also people that I pay. Right. It's their time too. So there's money right. going out and then people don't understand like that. So with that small amount, when you factor in all that time, then throw in the taxes, like any other overhead that you have, because that's all <laughs> okay. factored. Like there's so much, you I know, love that you bring this up. Uh, like, um, and you probably see this, like, mm. uh, especially when you like close an escrow, like oh, yeah. the checks can be significant, but what like a lot of clients don't see one, there's your time, right. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. has a value, but then it's like all the costs, uh, everything we subscribe to, right. and especially on the commercial side, like, uh, like CoStar is, uh, upwards of, uh, a thousand bucks a month right. per agent. Yeah. And then I also pay for LoopNet, right? Which yep. is like another like three or four grand a year mm -hmm. plus the MLS. And then, you know, the brokerage because of the insurance and stuff. I mean, I'm getting off on a tangent, but, uh, so you factor that like on the smaller lease mm -hmm. deals, you fat, you do have expense, like any business, yeah. your time is the most valuable, right? With right. any business too. Sure. So it's like, you know, you got to balance all that. Right. Um, on if, and so some, a lot of tenants will just self rep mm -hmm. like, uh, on those smaller deals, like the office building I showed you, Oh yeah, yeah. like, uh, I don't think I've ever had a tenant rep broker bring someone in right. because our spaces are you know, 200 at the smallest to right. like 1500 square feet and even 1500 square feet is too small. Right. So as the leasing broker, I just represent both sides. Yeah. Right. And yeah, just yeah, get yeah. the deal done. Right. Um, but like, if we tried to hire a leasing broker to lease that building for us, mm -hmm. like no one would probably, you might get the newer guy, like the greener right. guy who just wants to earn that Experience business, makes money. which is yeah. cool. Right. Yeah. Like you got to start somewhere. Yeah. But like most established brokers, you know, it's, it's just the opportunity cost. You'd yeah. rather chase. A thirty thousand square foot lease. Right. It takes just as much time. It's probably easier because your client's a little more sophisticated. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's gonna pay better. So right. it's all those things factor in. It's a balance, right? And so, you know, you do you try to do what's right, like for yourself and for clients, but then just be honest, like, sorry, dude, I can't. Right. Right. I just can't help you with that. Yeah. I'd love to, but we, it doesn't always work. We tried to for a while, um, because when rents were getting so bad and um just people were hitting up so much about like, Hey, I can't get a place and whatever. And I felt, I literally felt bad. And this is like military relocation people. Right. Right. So I actually For like housing mm -hmm. rentals and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I had an agent was like, Hey, I was pounding. I'm like, Hey, just try to help, you know, try to help, try to help whatever. But the time it took to even do that. And then I was paying her to do it and I wasn't taking anything from it because most of the time on the residential side, right. That's like, it might be a couple hundred dollars that, Sure. you know, from the MLS or from the owner, but it was such a money loss. It's like, I tried to, I was like, man, I want to try to help and do what I can. Right. But you want it's like, like, especially if it's a friend or a it, referral, yeah. you're like, I want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. 
So now it's kind of like when I, when I get hip, it's like, Hey, I can send you, I can put your name out to the people I know who have, you sure. know, rentals and stuff like that. But beyond that, you just, it's, it's the same, man. You're out shopping like you would anything else. And people are getting outbid in rentals. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it is, it's, it's, I'm, I'm waiting for those counters, you know, like you put in an application, like it says here, $3,500. Yeah. I'm going to need your highest and best, please. You yeah, know, I've like, seen you know? It. it's like, yeah, that's not quite, that was $3,500 yesterday. I had, uh, I had someone do that. Like, Oh, like I'll pay you X. I'm like, Oh, okay. And it's like, they got the deal. Yeah. Someone else is like, wait, I thought, uh, like, why'd you have me submit the app? I'm like, sorry. Sorry. This my guy, bad. This yeah. Guy paid more. Yeah, exactly. You, it comes down to that. It's still a business decision. And it I, does. you just try to be respectful of, uh, it does. like of that. And yeah. that's like the weird point. It's like where you get, it's not the like fake it till you make it, but you got to get like in those situations, mostly what I'll do is just help. Like, especially if it's a friend or someone, Yeah. just like kind of help them navigate, like yeah. give, like yeah, yeah. give them the tools. Like, okay, go on LoopNet. And like, in some cases, they're a friend, like, yeah. you know, let them use my login or I'll send them a report. Right. Like, Hey, here's everything that's out there. Yeah. If something looks interesting, maybe pull that info for them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, this guy wants me to rent it for this. Is that fair? Like, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Exactly. If you want me to like, look at the lease before you sign it, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. The same. Like, so, like that's I'll try a totally to help in that thing. regard. Yeah. But like to do a full like agency representation. So it's, it's just almost tough. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, well, you know, we kind of got into like, I mean, it's great because we got into a lot of the things that we were talking about on here yeah. for the commercial side. But what about also the, the, uh, I know that in the last what couple of years that you got your nonprofit yeah. uh, up and going. Yeah. So let's, uh, it's, like you, a, it's a passion that. project that's like turned into a, a part-time job, mm -hmm. which is, uh, which is amazing. Um, so we started, I have, I'll try to keep the story short, but, uh, uh, three years ago. So I have two daughters, right? right. Um, 10 and eight now. But at the time, like I'm super into mountain biking. You've been for a long time. For yeah. 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 Since I was like a teenager. And then yeah, you probably remember me riding from like when I was in the Navy and stuff. Uh so my daughter at the time was like six. And you know, they're in like soccer and softball and like, you know, typical parents like exposing our kids to everything. And right. like we're super busy doing all these sports. Yeah. And so my oldest like really liked mountain biking and I'm into it. So I want her to be into it. So I was like looking around for um like mountain biking, like workshops or like whatever things for kids to do on bikes. And, uh, like, like nothing really existed. And so I was, uh, I just went down the rabbit hole, like, mm -hmm. okay, like, like one, I'm entrepreneurial, but then two, it's like, how does this not exist? Like it has to, my initial thought was it has to exist. I just can't find it. Right. And it didn't exist. And so it turns out it doesn't exist in San Diego. I found a place in Colorado, Oregon, found this place in Canada. We'd been around for like 25 years. Um, giant bicycles bought the program from the guy who started it, this guy Doug, um, and wanted to bring it to the States. So I like cold emailed Doug, like, Hey, I'm like, you know, what are you doing? I'd love to, you know, is there something like this in the States? Like just trying to find something still. Yeah. He's like, well, actually we're looking for people to do it. You know, yeah. Um, uh, in the U S giant just bought it. And it turns out they're in Newberry park, which is uh, in Ventura County. Right. So he CCs the guy who's running it. Long story short, uh, I go to the training. So I like, I like start a program, yeah. like a kid's bike program. I go through their training, um, get the tools. Like we have teeter totters and all this fun stuff. And, uh, Shit, maybe and, I'll uh can I come? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably my speed. <laughs> come out. <laughs> so I started doing like running these after school programs and I did one and it was like really popular. And then, you know, kind of just like, just in like Penasquitos where I live. Yeah. So I got out in the community and then I like did another one. And then a friend, well, actually a guy didn't even know at the time came with his kids and was like, 
super into it. He's like, this is rad. It's like, how do I do this? I was like, well, like I've already built the wheel. It's kind of like training a new yeah. agent. You know what yeah. I mean? You're like, I have the tool set like here. So then he went and he started doing it in Del Sur. And then, uh, and then so that's continued to happen about that time. Um, I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm active with San Diego state with the real estate alumni. And we had a nonprofit that we were basically winding down. Like, mm -hmm. um, uh, we were using the, the foundation, the Campanile foundation. So we didn't need it. So I was like, Hey, like just assign it to me and I'm going to make this thing a nonprofit. So we did that. So we're formerly a 501c3 and then, uh, a Navy buddy. I don't know if you know, Mark, um, Howden, um, he's a swimmer. Uh, I think he was on the HS side. He found out about it through like Navy contacts and he's like, got involved. He's super into mountain biking. Yeah. So now he runs our Escondido program. And then, um, two gals, one who's currently active and another one who just got out, same thing into mountain biking connected through Mark. Now they're running our mission Valley program. And then another gal, uh, who had, she teaches high school kids, like not Navy affiliated, but, uh, was like curious what we were doing, came out to some events. She's like, okay, I want to, I want to do this in Chula Vista. So yeah, we have five Dang. We have five locations that escalated now. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like really quickly. And that was, I don't know that I necessarily like had a plan to like do that. Yeah. But it was like, like I said, it's like, there's like an opportunity. It's so rewarding working with the kids, like teaching them, but then just seeing like, you know, like, uh, you just see things click and then yeah. you see like their confidence change. Like it's, it's, uh, if I could do it full time, yeah. like, like make real estate money, do that full time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, Maybe one day, one day, one day. I'm trying to figure that piece out. Yeah. I haven't fit that puzzle together, but, uh, no, man, it's grown into something pretty big. So we've got, now we've got, uh, there's like seven of us on the board. Um, got a guy that runs like our sponsorships, a gal, um, actually one of the parents, her son had such a great experience that she joined our board. She's an attorney. So she helps, um, with some of the legal stuff, which we don't have a lot of, but, uh, like contracts and stuff when they come up and then writing grants for us. Um, so currently where we're at is, um, I'm like, I'm the president of the board, but I run, I'm the ranch Penasquitos community leader. Okay. So like, I want to get back into the teaching side. Like gotcha. that's really why I enjoy it. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's really a business, it's a nonprofit, but mm -hmm. there's still administration and operations. And like, there's a lot of things you got to do right. to run the events. Um, so right now where we're at is chasing funding, whether it's grants or corporate support or, um, whatever, just private support like uh -huh. We're on Venmo. Like people come to events, Venmo us some, some money, but my goal right now is to, um, hire an executive director so I can get, because I'm spending like 10, 15 hours a week, just like running the thing, which is great. But like, I need to like focus on real still estate. Work. Yeah. I still gotta right. make money. Yeah. So like I built this thing, I'm super proud of it. I'm definitely gonna stay involved and like lead it but I need to get out of that like admin capacity. Right. Yeah. So right now our fundraising goals are mostly towards getting an executive director in place and then continue to expand. So right. we want to move into Carlsbad, um, central San Diego, and then probably we are in Chula Vista, but, um, she's more in Otay. So mm -hmm. I'd like to move more like West, Imperial mm, beach yeah. or like West, yeah. West Chula. And then that's like our, our like main, um, like programming. Right. So it's like more like a, it's not really a sports league, but you could think of it like that. Uh -huh. And then just recently, um, we got REI as a sponsor. Oh, that's yes, yeah, pretty huge. huge. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and that was just like real estate sales, yeah. just like uh, networked. Yeah, I sit on the board of Senior Mountain Bike Association, so I networked through their executive director because um, I was wanting to get in touch with REI, like for more of a corporate support. 
And part of our goal has been to be able to take the program to kids um, that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to mm -hmm. bike, right? Mm -hmm. But we need bikes and like we need a trailer because most of them don't have bikes. Right. So she networked me into her. It was like a cold email. She, uh, the REI gal is amazing. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, we can, let me see what we can do. Within two weeks, had 10 bikes in my house. Just like Dang. full of my garage, a <laughs> uh, bunch of helmets. Like this is pretty rad pumps and everything we need. Yeah. So at the same time, I had a buddy who runs a shuttle company, which like, uh, basically he drives you to the top of the mountain, drops you off and then you ride down and then he picks you up. I like that style. Yeah. Super cool guy. He's actually a pilot for, um, San Diego PD. Uh, he's a helicopter pilot. He flies a ghetto bird. <laughs> <laughs> One's spotlighting and it's, talking yeah, down to everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's him. You hear him. Yeah. Oh, see a man in a white shirt. Uh, uh, so he was winding that down. COVID didn't do him any favors, yeah. right? Like shuttling people in a van. Yeah. Um, and I told him quite a while back, like, Hey, I'm trying to do this thing. So we just bought the trailer from him. So now we have a trailer with 10 bikes that we can take into these, um, into these communities and put on our programming for the kids. Oh, that's cool. So like my, our, our goal has been like be sustainable through our program funding for people that pay to come to our after school programs and clinics mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then take those funds on the nonprofit side and funnel them to bring the same programming to kids who otherwise couldn't afford it. Right. Right. So we do it through, um, like Mark, the Escondido guy just mm -hmm. got some money from his church and they're going to sponsor some kids to come through the program. So it's turned into, uh, it's turned into something pretty rad. Yeah. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And how long, when did you, when did it first kick off? So I, I did my first event. I think it was, uh, it would have been like June of 2018. Okay. That is fast. Yeah. And then by 20, when did COVID hit? That was 2020, right? 2020, March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but like, so a year of running it and like end of 2019, I had the, the two other guys that were interested. Uh -huh. COVID hit and we used that opportunity because we couldn't run programming for a while right. until the parks like figured out permits to yeah. allow us to run it. Yeah. And there was like, remember the like safe reopening plans and stuff? Right. We had to go yeah. through all that. All the um, so we use that to like really like build kind of our infrastructure. Uh, we got a COVID grant, which allowed us to build our website. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, Sprock Kids. It's S-P-R-O-C-K-I-D-S-S-D, SprockKidsSD.com. Or uh, on social media, it's at SprockKidsSD. So we were able to build that out with some of the COVID grant funding. And now it's, um, uh, you know, that's like we've built the wheel. We've proven the concept. The, yeah, you can like, put can it wherever we, you need to now. Yeah. So yeah. now we want to expand, like I said, Carlsbad and kind of like saturate San Diego and then um, start focusing a little more on using and finding funds to take it to, to kids who otherwise, you know, you know, as parents. Wouldn't get the chance. Yeah. 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 That's no, that's huge too. Like, I, I love that. Thanks, man. That's, uh, that's amazing. And, um, shoot, man. I mean, we know like here, everything's so spread out. San Diego's so spread out. Right. So being able to kind of put that in some of those areas, not even just for the, um, you know, the permanent locations that yeah. just makes it so much more reachable to so many more people. And then being able to take it into places that, you know, temporarily or whatever, that's, that's pretty huge. So you can make a big impact like that that's our that's that's really our main driver for like an impact on yeah uh, like i don't know if it's the nonprofit angle or whatever but uh to steer those funds mm -hmm. uh, now that we're getting to a point where you know our revenue is still like you know we're very small right, in the right. big picture right. but start steering into that now that we have the trailer and the bikes and start building that out right and i think it's like uh in a nonprofit, like what in a business your um what is it your outcome is like uh income you yeah. know, but yeah, yeah, for yeah. like a nonprofit, it's like positive social change. Yeah. And 
like just seeing what this, I know what mountain biking has done for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? For like yeah. my fitness and mental health and like, it's, it's an amazing sport, like any sport. Mm -hmm. And I've seen firsthand what it's done for the kids that we work with that, you know, whose parents bring them out. Right. So like being able to take that into kids, you know, who could use that you know, just as much, if not more so in some cases, mm. that's pretty big. So I think also when you're passionate about something, like those are the people that you want spreading it because it, the passion spreads too. like, if you're just doing it, like if it's just a job for somebody to do, it's like, no, it's just, that's not contagious, right? Jobs no. aren't really contagious, but like the passion projects are hundred percent. Yeah. And we, and I've focused that with some of the people, like the community leaders that mm -hmm. we've hired, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's awesome that like three of them rescue swimmers, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. kind of kept it in that network. But it's that piece first, like, right. you know, do you, one, do you care about mountain biking? But two, like, do you care about working with kids? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And if you have those two pieces, then like, you have to mountain Russell bit. happened. Yeah. Dude, Russell it's take it's care amazing. Itself. Like it's people who first come out, whether you're a mountain biker or not, are just like, whoa, it's red. Yeah. Like it's a little different than just like watching a baseball game. You know what I mean? You really see a lot of progression with the kids. Right. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's huge. Well, and plus you got to try it out on your girl first. So like, yeah, my, like, uh, yeah test, <laughs> test pilots here. They're my crash test, test Yeah, crash test dummies. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I just picture. Like the little, those little, remember those commercials and they have the little like. <laughs> the yellow and black yeah. like circles. Yeah. I see you out there with your kids. All right. Come on, girls. We got to try this out. It's funny now. My, uh, my oldest is 10 going on 18. And so now she's like my assistant. So she's gone through like, you know, I don't know. I've taught whatever, eight, 10, like so many programs. And she was always that kind of a student and she's right. been through it and she absolutely rips on a bike now. Yeah. So it's funny, like the boys, even the older boys, are like try to compete with her and she just shred, she just like totally annihilates <laughs> she, them. She loves that too. Oh yeah. She, yeah, totally loves it. But she's like, I don't know. She's got her dad behind her. Yeah. Like get lower, lean your bike <laughs> over, cover your brakes. I'm always like, like permanently, she's probably annoying for her, but yeah. She's probably like, all right, that's enough. Like, but I'm now like, she's like, yeah, moving into that coach role. So like now when I'm teaching, like she's standing up front. With me. Right, right. I'm like demoing and like helping. So it's Which is pretty huge though for a kid too, for like self-confidence and, you know, so many things. So that's 100%. Uh, yeah, she's 10 benefit. and she, we had a 200 person event a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and she's perfectly comfortable standing in front of 200 people. Oh, and that's like, huge. And I'm like, I'm, she's not even teed up. I'm just like asking her questions. I'll be like, and she's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's been cool to share that experience too. Right. With my kids. And now my eight year old, she's like, she's starting to get there. She's getting there more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Dude, that's huge, man. I'm like Thanks. really excited to see that where that goes too. Like I, I, man, I'd be scared to take that class because I'd, nah, be, I'd be embarrassed by, uh, by the <laughs> all the kids you'd be surprised how good some of these kids are no i wouldn't yeah. be that's the problem i know <laughs> i know like i see people doing stuff all the time these days where you're like you know even on tv and we're not even talking like the the pros or something whether it's snowboarding or mountain biking or all these things and you're like dude like at 22 i couldn't do what 12 year olds are doing it's insane you know it's yeah it's nuts some of the kids i follow on instagram that are doing like uh there's this kid he's actually from san diego um, was out at like Travis Pastrana's, um, like he has this like playground, you know, with those yeah. foam pits and this kid did a triple backflip on a BMX bike. And I think he's like 11 years old. Yeah, of course he is. He it's is. insane. Yeah, it's not, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. No, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'll embrace, uh, my lack of ability right yeah. now. It's all good. <laughs> I'm not trying to do any triple backflips anytime no, soon. No, <laughs> no. Dude, I, man, I appreciate you coming to talk to us about all this stuff. Like I'm excited to fin finishing yeah. up on the, you know, on the mountain biking. I think that's a huge program. That's going to be you. really cool. Thank we'll you. definitely put that in any of the clips that are going out, but also oh, then I'll just, that. I'll just volunteer you to, um, also 
give info to anybody who wants yeah. any, anything on the commercial side, especially if you're transitioning out of military or from a career to another career and you want some info on how to get started or anything deeper than we talked about today, which would be pretty much anything. Could we just kind of ramble and, and bullshit? Most no, of the time? yeah. I appreciate the mentorship opportunity. I already do that with some senior mm -hmm. state kids, um, especially with the military guys. Right. right. Like uh, I'm happy to do that. If that's a career path that they're looking mm -hmm. at on the commercial side. Like we do have one seal that's uh, at our company. He's doing, he's doing really well. Right on. And then, um, yeah, on the commercial front too, you know, buying, selling. Yeah. Any stuff like that, whether you and I can work together or yeah. something, you know. Sure. Uh, or someone needs help. I'm sure you and I will be working together on plenty of stuff or at least For sure. collaborating and, For sure. and doing whatever we can to get into some more deals. For sure. Yeah. But, but I do appreciate that, you know, you being a resource, well, one for me to ask questions too, but now I'm just going to like, you know, pimp you out to other people. So <laughs> anyway, that once again, uh, connected with a Sean, just go to expertspodcast.com. Just go ahead and throw it in the message. And then I'll connect you. I won't blast out his uh, cell phone this time. Next time I'll just like throw it on there or something. Maybe we'll put it on the clips and just get you like text all night or something that like that. Yeah. But, uh, as long as you're selling like an auto warranty. I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're good. Right. Yeah, I'm all set. <laughs> Can't get enough of those expired auto warranties. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, I do appreciate your time and I'm sure we'll do this again pretty soon. Cool. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. If you could use an inexpensive and super convenient healthcare option, I definitely recommend checking out Skill Mills Telehealth. For me, when I did the research, it turned out that their program worked well as a supplement to VA Medical. So that's the route I went. If you go to their website for the information, skillmill.com, that's S-K-I-L-L-M-I-L.com. Go to the top, click on the telehealth button. It'll take you to another page with the information on all their programs. Super easy, super easy to sign up. If you click on the get started button, fill in a little bit of basic info. You can even use your referral code expertish podcast in the drop down. And then from there, they'll take care of you and you're all set. Definitely highly recommend checking that out.